You're listening to the Inside the Mix podcast with your host, Mark Matthews. Hello and welcome to the Inside the Mix podcast. I'm Mark Matthews, your host, musician, producer, and mix and mastering engineer. You've come to the right place if you want to know more about your favorite synth music artists, music engineering and production, songwriting, and the music industry. I've been writing, producing, mixing, and mastering music for over 15 years, and I want to share what I've learned with you. Hello, folks, and welcome back to the Inside the Mix podcast. If you are a returning listener, a big welcome back as always. And if you are new to the podcast, make sure you hit that follow button on your podcast player of choice. And also, if you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and also the notification bell so you know when we go live and a new episode drops. So in this episode, we are venturing into the archives of the Inside the Mix podcast, and we are returning to the most popular, the most downloaded episode of 2021, which was the first episode of the podcast, my interview with Zach Vortex from Bristol. So if you're unfamiliar with Zach Vortex, as I mentioned there, he is based in Bristol, that's in the UK, and he's a synthwave and synth pop artist. And in this episode, as I say, is the very first episode of the Inside the Mix podcast. It's amazing how long we've been going and it's been an incredible ride and long may it continue. We chat about our shared history of Bristol. As uh, as the audience may know, I previously lived in Bristol and obviously Zach does now. We discuss musical influences, current and past releases, the creative process and marketing strategies as well. As Zach really does have this down. So I'm not going to witter on for too much now. So let's dive into the very first episode of the Inside the Mix podcast. On today's show, I have Zach Vortex. Uh, Zach is a synthwave, retrowave producer from Bristol, Bristol, the Southwest, so hailing from the same areas that I do, which is cool. Uh, synthwave music, heavily inspired by 80s nostalgia music and the films of John Hughes, such as The Breakfast Club and 16 Candles. Uh, so yeah, Bristol, Zach. How's, how's Bristol at the moment? Uh, well, obviously, like yourself in, in the lockdown, so not seeing a great deal of it, but um, I, it's a great city. Right? I grew up in um, in Essex, um, moved to Bristol four or five years ago. Yep. I, I absolutely love it. It's got such a vibrant culture, so, such good music venues. It's just a shame to see them all closed at the moment. But Yeah, yeah. But, I, um, uh, I, I lived in Bristol a few years back and um, I love it as well. I was born in Bristol and then I moved to Cardiff, but... Uh, yeah, Bristol's great, man. Uh, I remember playing gigs at the Fleece. Did you ever go to the Fleece? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Played yeah. Many gig, many gig at the Fleece in front of some interesting crowds supporting some interesting bands, but always good fun. Remember um, the um, the Fetcler? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The boat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We played, we supported the Dand there. Which oh, nice. Was most bizarre pairing. <laughs> we were like a bunch of whiny indie 90s kids yeah. supporting a pretty hardcore punk band interesting yeah. crowd but they seem to but they didn't hurt us which, <laughs> it was everything i'd hoped for no the fact is cool man i uh what was the last gig i went to watch yeah, i think i went to watch a metal gig yeah, the last time i knew that yeah i think it's just before we went into lockdown last year but yeah the fact was cool and the fleece the fleece that's that's still going isn't it yeah yeah love love the fleece saw m83 there a little while yeah. ago uh space if if you if you remember your 90s indie which i do i do i do space yeah 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 i um i've been to a few i think i played the fleece a few years back once i think it was like an all day 
multi-genre event and uh, we were heavy metal and I think everybody else was sort of like singer-songwriter etc so uh, yeah it was interesting man it was interesting they're always the most fun cards to be on though aren't they <laughs> Got no yeah yeah I think we were the band that everybody went to the bar I think that's probably, <laughs> pretty much what happened when we played um but now you've moved on to sort of synth wave so you classify yourself as sort of synth wave retro wave um and you released a song a couple of weeks ago, which is the single from your up and coming album. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I released a, an album fairly recently, well, um, sort of mid last year, um, and didn't think I've only been doing uh, retro wave, synth wave for a little while. I sort of I came late to it, but I've always been in bands playing synth music. Yeah. Um, so I sort of came late to synth wave, retro waves, but I did record an album and then. And it, it ended up doing really, really well. I was like genuinely very surprised and very flattered and, and appreciate everyone who went out and bought it. It sold out tw- twice in days, which was totally unexpected. So um, whilst I was recording that one, I was writing another one. So um, although they've come out quite close to each other, the, yeah, there's a new album coming out sort of start of April, which I think is bigger and better than the yeah. last one. Um and I'm really pleased with with how it sounds. It's just, it, I've sent it away to get professionally mastered. It's come back. It, it, it sounds pretty good. I'm pretty happy with with what the product. Nice, man. So the, the album you released first off, that was released, did I say, was it released last year? Was it like last November? Yeah, yeah, yeah around October, November, Neon Horizon, yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, so they were, they were tracks that I had written over the year, yeah. sort of consolidated into an album, whereas... What I like about the next album, City Nights, is it's an album that I wrote to be an album. Right, right. So I feel like it It feels like when you listen to it, I'm hoping people will find or at least feel what I feel, which is that it feels like one piece of work that was meant to be in that, like in that order and the way it flows was written in that way. So it's very different to the last one, which I would say was more like a collection of songs that yeah. I'd accumulated uh, over a year whereas this one was written as one piece of music and i, I think it shows it, it it sort of blends through both sides of the cassette so yeah, um, yeah, yeah i'm really pleased with how it's come out all right so when you released the the first album what sort of uh process did you go through for the release did you release it or oh, sorry, it's on Bandcamp, isn't it um, yeah the album. Uh, it, it was all very very new to me i've been so I sort of discovered synthwave. I've been playing in bands, as we were just discussing, yeah. uh, a lot around Bristol, a lot around the West Country, um, synth bands, but with heavy guitars. But I, I've always felt a bit, I don't know, I've not been that excited by new music. So, yeah. so I was still listening and writing 90s indie music. Um, and then and then I think, I, like most people, I watched, it's going to sound really cliche, but I watched like, <laughs> Um, yeah, and started yeah, yeah. listening to those types of bands and I was, and it made me feel something. It made me feel the, the nostalgia that I'd been looking for that I was getting with the 90s stuff But because I, I was born in the 70s, so I'm a, an older guy. So I sort of grew up as a child in the 80s and absolutely absolutely sort of adore that period. And so, that, so it was the first sort of music I'd heard that got me excited since the days of, I don't like Blur and Oasis. Yeah. battling each other to get to the top of the charts. It was the first time I'd felt that feeling again. So I've sort of gone gone in all in on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%, man. You mentioned Drive there. Did you um, Did you see the, I think it was a, it was, it was Radio 1 that released like uh, a reimagining of the Drive soundtrack. Did you ever hear that? 
Yeah, yeah, I've, I've got the. I bought the Blu-ray when it came out. Yeah, oh, nice. uh, it's on the the. Is it Zane Lowe? That, it that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah Zane Lowe yeah, before yeah, he went over to that. Apple. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, can't. Yeah, can't. I think film, but it was just that world that they created, and and then I think Stranger Things. So the first song I ever wrote was called Vortex Theme. Weirdly, yeah, and um, and a lot of people said it sounded like Stranger Things. Uh, Stranger Things, which wasn't the intention but i think it was those types of things that and the world they created and that feeling that it gives you from that 80s feeling that you sort of yearn because it was a simpler time right so i think that's <laughs> what drove me to write that type of music yeah um and to an- answer your question i wasn't really sure how to release an album what had been happening is i've been releasing singles that were progressively getting more popular uh which again i'm I'm absolutely astonished that people are listening to my music. It means absolutely everything to me. But but that's when I decided to do an album. Um, knew I wanted to do it on cassette. I collect cassettes. There's loads down there. I always have collected them, again, being an 80s child. And then decided to put it on Bandcamp, did a, a, a pressing um, and did a pre-order, and it sold out immediately. And I was pretty stunned by that. I was very surprised. Then we we organised another pressing to happen, or I think do you call it pressing with tapes. I'm not sure. I think so, something then, um, like that, isn't it? Yeah, a run maybe. They sold out yeah. as well, so that was the process. It's uh, really cool to see uh, like cassettes selling out, um, and there absolutely. being a call for cassettes. It's so cool. I mean, I've I've seen it on your social media, on Instagram and, and Facebook, etc. And you see, they just look cool as well. Like when you see a post with a cassette. And you've got the the artwork behind it as well. It just looks so cool and so alluring from from a fan's perspective. Um, something different because it's all well and good. I, I suppose you've got to get your music out there somewhere. But actually, just putting a post up saying "Here's my music, check it out on Spotify." If it's not as engaging, I, I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't think it's as engaging as seeing like a retro sort of cassette, something no, tangible like that. And it's just it's so cool. And it's cool to hear that. You, how many? How many have you got then? How many cassettes have you got in your collection? Um, it's probably about thirty or forty. It's not huge. I haven't got yeah. many from when I was um, younger, but but I do like to try and support up and coming artists. So I've recently bought the Last Concords cassette, uh, Nostalgia Kid. These are all sort of up and coming synthwave artists that have created really, really good albums that yeah. I've really enjoyed. And I think the re- one of the reasons you're right, it's great to feel the physical product. Um. But I also, just, it's it's one of the few ways I ever listen to an album. I, I don't know if you're the same, but I find if I'm listening on Spotify, very rarely would I listen to an album start to finish. It would normally be yep, a track here, a track there. But when I put a cassette on my Walkman or in my um, boombox next to me here, I'll listen to it the whole way through. And, and, I, and, and as I said, I think that's the way the artist sort of wanted you to listen to it. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, when you think about it, when you develop, as going back to what you said earlier about you developing that second album, and you're going to have it so it's going to run from start to finish, and it's designed for you to listen to it that way, and listen to it on tape sort of forces you to do it that way. Because you are right. Like when I listen to Spotify, I find it's on shuffle. Um, yeah, like songs, put it on shuffle or a playlist. If I'm trying to find new music, I'll go to a playlist, and that is just a playlist that somebody's curated of singles um so you don't get that that experience and also do, do you have the inserts as well in the cassette so you know when you have a line when i used to get cds and i'd read the cd insert i can't remember if you get those with cassettes i think you do yeah not not as much i i collect vinyl as well i've got quite a big collection of vinyl down nice, there nice um 
and and obviously vinyl is a very similar experience and vinyl's got that great sound quality that you expect but um but yeah i just like to own that physical product and and i like to help out it's good for the artists right it, yeah. it's helping them out in a in what is a very difficult time for musicians to make a living so 100 oh, anything i can do to help help musicians out i'm gonna do it yeah that's that's cool man it's something um like putting this podcast together is sort of a, a new a new venture for me in itself and it's, it's speaking to sort of independent artists is what i want to do and just not saying i have a massive reach by any stretch but being able to just help yeah get the word out there and also i think as well just by chatting to other artists and starting that network because I think like you, I I don't know, I came into sort of like the, the synth, actually creating synth music probably about a year, year and a half ago. And I hadn't realized that the community that is out there, um, when you go onto things like Facebook, uh, Instagram, all these other sort of rabbit holes that you can go down. And it's huge. There's, there's so many artists out there in this particular genre, which is really, really cool. We'll be right back. Attention synth pop producers, do you feel like your amazing tracks are whispering in the vast musical ocean? Are you trapped in the music production purgatory? Your songs are hidden gems and it's time the world discovered your talent. Join me at the Inside the Mix podcast. Let's turn your passion into profit. Plug the holes in your production and breathe life into your music. Click the link in the episode description or visit synthmusicmastering.com forward slash podcast to book a free producer potential discovery call. Break free from music production purgatory and let's blaze trails together, folks. Um, but every, every, and yeah, you're right. But everyone I, I've spoken to, and I, and I speak to a lot of people now, everyone's been really friendly. Everyone's been yeah, supportive. Yeah. I've, I've not found any any issues with people accepting new musicians and accepting new synthwave artists at all so far? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've, uh, I, yeah, yeah. I totally agree, man. I totally agree. Um, cause I think in other genres you get, yeah, coming from the, the metal background, you get your gatekeepers as it were. So there is very much, I suppose synthwave synth music is quite the same because you've all got, you've got all the subgenres that lay out lie underneath it. You've got your synth music and then there's synth wave, retro wave, dark wave and everything else in between. Um, but it's really cool to not have that sort of gatekeeper experience. Everyone's just really accepting of new artists yeah. and willing to offer that feedback and help um, and share, share best practice, um, which is, which is really, really cool. Uh, Absolutely. I, I've, I've spent a lot of time on um, different Reddits or um, or Facebook forums asking for production tips, and never everyone's just been so welcoming and helpful, and teaching you how to do this with compression and do this with gated reverb or whatever it might be. But yeah, yeah, I've everyone's just happy to help, um, which is just as I say, I like the, the the scene as much as I like the music. I like the the people. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, man. So going back to like influences, what you mentioned earlier, you, you touched on Stranger Things, and I think for me as well, like when I've always been a massive. I, I was born in the eighties, so I only really experienced. I was I was young in the eighties, but it's always something that I've uh, I've been really fond of is the is the um, the look and the feel and the the character of the eighties. So when I saw like like you when I saw Stranger Things, it sort of sort of set me off on that on that pathway to thinking, actually, I want to start creating music. I was kind of inspired by the Duffer brothers and it's basically the intro yeah. theme for, 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 
for Stranger Things. And I'm thinking, I've been down the heavy metal route. I've done all that. I've been in a band for a number of, a number of years. And I thought, actually, I'll just bring it in-house and do all the production myself. Um, where did you sort of, what is, what is your production background? Is it sort of like self-taught? Um, how long have you been in the production sort of, sort of game? Well, I've been, um, so I've been, I played, so without giving my age away, I'm yeah. in my 40s <laughs> and I, um, I played my first ever gig when I was 14. Um, I remember it really clearly because we had to lie to get into the venue nice. and it was in this pretty rough pub in Clacton on Sea. We had a handful of sex pistol covers that we'd learned because there's only three chords and it was about <laughs> what we could do, but it didn't matter at the time. It was so much fun. Um, and then I was in, it, I've been in bands pretty much ever since then, um, up until recently. And then when I was moved to Bristol, um, I was in a band called uh, The Citizens and we, and we played a lot around the area and we did get a small sort of uh, publishing deal when we recorded an album through that. Um, but So I wasn't really into production as such. I was a songwriter and a, and a, a musician um, but was really fascinated with the production side of things and then sort of moved into production from there. Yeah. Um, so, like, foremost, I'm probably, I would say, a, a guitarist more than I am a, a producer or a pianist. But yeah, they're all things that I'm, I find extremely exciting that I'm trying to learn. Um, the production side of things is it's just one of them things that, I don't think you ever master, right? Like every every no. day I learn something new. Um, I was listening to you, to your stuff earlier, and it, it sounds absolutely fantastic. And oh, thanks, buddy. And um, so you know, I don't think you ever master it. I think you always learn, and it's always changing. But but that's the, for me the bit that's exciting. I do try and include uh, guitars into my songs where I can, um, but they have a they have a real eighties sound to them. I'm pretty particular about making sure the guitars are absolutely swamped with um, chorus reverb. and reverb and yeah, yeah. Let's get that sound that I want. So I'd probably, I'd, I'd probably describe the, the new album. I, what I'd like to think of it is if you sort of took FM uh, 84, Time Cop 1983, and maybe the Midnight and messed them, mixed them all up, that, 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 that's sort of what I think it sounds like to me. That yeah. And I'm not trying to, I had this conversation with someone yesterday. I'm, I'm not trying to take synthwave in a new direction. Mm. I'm not trying to revolutionize anything. I, I just making music that I like to listen to. And as a result, I hope other people will enjoy listening to what I make. And, and so far, some people seem to. So I'm really pleased about that. I, I, I have to agree. I think, yeah, I think you're definitely right. I think making music that you enjoy and you want to listen to, because I think there have been times where I've, I've listened to stuff thinking, actually, I'm going to have a go at making that, but I'll have a go at making it, but it's not necessarily what I want to enjoy making and sort of like making synth and just playing around with, with digital synths. Unfortunately, I don't, I'm not privy to any, any sort of analog hardware um, one day, hopefully, um, yeah. but just playing around and making those and then that sound design and something new and creating something that you enjoy. And like you say, if people enjoy it off the back of that, then fantastic. I think it's definitely the way to go when it comes to creativity. Definitely. And 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 I don't yeah exactly I totally agree and I don't have um I don't have a style for writing songs at all I um I I watched an interview recently of Noel Gallagher um, yeah. and he was saying that sometimes some of his best songs are written whilst watching something on TV strumming his guitar and 
so many songs off the last album were, were written on a guitar whilst just not whilst doing something else thinking oh that might work as a synth riff and then working it out on the synth yeah and then other songs start for me from just finding a, a sound playing around with the presets messing around with with the presets and then suddenly on logic pro i use logic pro and then thinking oh that that could work and then yeah. sometimes the song will just build organically from that so that i don't have from a sort of um creative aspect i don't really have a, a way i do it every song comes out different sometimes i'll sit down and go i want to write a song in this style and it happens and other times nothing comes and that that was the same in a band the amount of times we said oh we we're going to jam a new song tonight and nothing came and then the next week three or four ideas would come so there is no set way for me in, in the way I write write my music. That's cool, man. So you, you mentioned that you use Logic Pro. Have you always used Logic Pro? Have you used any other doors at all? No, um, not at all. No, I've only ever used Logic Pro. Um, yeah. I think, as I've learned, I feel like fairly comfortable with it. I, I don't think I'll um, bother venturing outside of that. Um, uh, I, quite I, things. Yeah, I, I would agree. I use Logic Pro myself. Um, previously, when I was recording sort of actual art, artists, I'd use Pro Tools. But I just find Logic is, in terms of its intuitive, it, in, it's intuitive, and it's just easy to use. Like the, the the writing process, isn't it? You can come up with something pretty quick, I find, and like, yeah. and the, and the MIDI aspect of it's quite powerful. And now you've got, I think there's the recent update now where you can actually use it's the the clip update, which I haven't properly looked at yet, to be fair. But what I find is with technology, I don't know if you find it as well. There are so many, you've got Logic, you've got Logic, you've got your DAW, and then you've got a wealth of plugins. Like there are plugins everywhere. Do you have like a stock, uh, do you have go-to plugins that you use in your production? Yeah, 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 I do. There's a few. So I'm going to try and remember their names. Um, <laughs> I think for for my guitars, I, I think it's called Bias 2. Um, okay. I think I did that right. I should have made a note of this. Um, that's a fantastic piece of software. It, what What's beautiful about that is it allows people to upload their sound designs, and you can download. So, it's been uh, that's an absolutely fantastic piece uh, of VST. I couldn't recommend that enough for anyone who wants to record guitars. Um, sometimes, as you can see, I've got an orange amp down there. Sometimes I will mic up the amp, but yeah. But some of these um, these these sort of um, presets that people have uploaded are so good that, that I will just plug straight into Logic Pro and use that. Yeah. So, yeah, Bias 2 for guitars. Um, Serum mostly for yeah. synths. And then is it Tau, Tau you know as well? I use... Um, is that T-A-L, that. Tal? T -A -L? Yeah. Yeah, 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 I know yeah. the one. Yeah, and yeah. I use that as well. Um, I'm not a master of synths. I... I, I I normally start like probably a lot of people do with a preset and then adjust that to work yeah. how I want it. Um, on my new album, there's a, a covers of a, an Eagle song called uh, Journey of the Sorcerer. Yeah. And that, that, that whole idea came from a preset in um, that Tao, T-A-L, you know, I think I'm saying it right. <laughs> that just, that made me just think of that song. Yeah. Um, which is why I did that cover. So that that's sort of my process for picking the sounds and the the sort of plugins that I want to use. I I'll find something that sounds close to what I had in my mind and then tweak it until it sounds exactly as I imagined it would. If that makes sense. 
Yeah, yeah, it does. Going off on a slight tangent there, you mentioned the Eagles um, and an Eagles cover. There was a, I, I was listening to, to your tracks on Bandcamp yesterday and there was another song. Oh, I wish I made a note of it now. I cannot remember it. But at the beginning, it kind of reminded me a bit of, oh, what's the what's the Eagles track? Oh, I can't even remember the name of the Eagles song. That's going to really bug me. Really, really bug me. But it was in the beginning. No, I think no. It's, it's, that's it's gone. That's really bugged me now. It's hard. Yeah, and you're probably right. Yeah. That's um, when, my, uh, when my dad was alive, He our favourite pastime was sat listening to his LPs. And so I grew up listening to Eagles, Led Zeppelin, oh, um, cool. Zappos. Yeah. So, and it's, and it's hard not to take those influences in. But I think, that, I think it's a good thing to do that. That's why one of the reasons I did an Eagles cover, because they were my dad's favourite band. And I thought, I can, I can take his, the things he influenced me on yeah. And I can t- put my twist on it. And, yeah, and I'll be honest, the, the whole reason I, I do music at all is because he taught me guitar when I was like very young. And that it sort of grew from there. That's really cool, man. I mean, going back to the Eagles again, I remember, I, I will remember that song by the end of this, which one it was. Um, but the Eagles, I remember when I started playing guitar and there was, it was, uh, it was Hotel Hot- California's Eagles, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, and it was Hotel California, and I remember listening to that, and it was the uh, the harmonized guitar solo at the end, and That's incredible. I, I, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I was like, I want to play that. I want to know mm-hmm. how to do that, and that's what got me into playing guitar. And uh, very much like yourself as well. My dad had the the Eagle CD, and I remember listening to it. I'm trying to think if I ever mastered it. I got the intro. I got the intro down. But as a guitarist, I was always the way it was always the way I would think, right, I'm gonna learn a whole song. I'd learn a riff or two. <laughs> and then yeah, I'd just yeah. stop and then I'd move on to another one. Um what what sort of um was it the Eagles that influenced you to play guitar? What other bands got you into playing guitar? I think um so the first concert I think I ever went to uh was uh Jeffro Toll. Ah, cool. Um when I was about six or seven, maybe. Yeah. And then it was just hard rock concerts because my dad was uh, pretty pretty much into sort of hard rock uh, in the day. So I think it was a, a mixture of all those bands. And then and then I saw, weirdly, I saw a film called um, Crossroads that uh, has Ralph Macchio of Karate Kid fame in it. He and, did another uh, film? I didn't even realise he did another, yeah, did another film. If you're into guitar, you should definitely check it out. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. It's based on the life of Robert Johnson, who's a famous blues musician. But it ends with um, uh, a guitar competition or cutting teeth they call it yeah and Ralph Macchio goes against his character who's played by Steve Fire. and uh, <laughs> it, was, it was that dual guitar that was the thing where I remember saying to my dad oh dad I want to do this so he said I don't, okay so I'll get your guitar but we were pretty poor uh, growing up where we grew up in Essex and uh, he bought me an acoustic <laughs> and I was like that's not quite going to do what I had in mind <laughs> I don't think I'm going to play many Steve Vai, uh, Steve Vai songs on this yeah but, uh, I think I uh, I did the same. I think when I when I wanted to play guitar, I think I got thirty pounds. It might be for Christmas or a birthday or something. So I went to Argos and I bought a nylon strung yeah. uh, acoustic guitar, thinking I was going to play play the Eagles. And I think I I was self taught. I think I yeah I was self taught playing guitar until I was about twenty. Then I went into a recording studio, um, went to record an album. Realised my technique was absolutely atrocious. Uh, and I just hit and bum notes and stuff all the time. And it made me realize I need to take lessons. So I basically then found a, a guitar tutor uh, who basically had to reconstruct my technique, which was 
which was hard hard work hard work when you you've got all that muscle memory ingrained in you and then going back to it um but going back to robert johnson you mentioned robert johnson then is that it? i can vaguely remember the story is that he's a blues guitarist is that the one where he does he sell his soul for yeah for the devil yeah for, that, that's the the legend isn't it yeah uh, yeah and that's what the the film crossroads is about uh it's about I think it, the concept is there's a missing Robert Johnson song. They go on this on this mission to find it. Yeah, but it's all about um, about selling selling your soul to um, to get better at the guitar or whatever it is you you want to do. So yeah, that was Robert Johnson. Yeah, and that and that's basically the the plot of the film. I'm still amazed that Ralph Macchio did another film. But I'm glad to look him up on IMDb and see when he's done. Have you seen uh, going going off a total tangent now? Uh, do you do you follow Karate Kid and Cobra Kai? Have you seen that on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Cobra Kai. Just so finished good. season three. I won't I say mean, anything for any spoilers. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I couldn't watch that. Me and my eldest, I've got a sixteen year old son. We watched that in two nights. Yeah. What we from just, one to three, or just season three? Season three, but season like three. we just binged. I think it was ten episodes in two nights. It. They really captured. Karate, the they did it really respectfully and really captured the original feel of Karate Kid for me. Yeah, and that feel of the, that '80s feel. They did that exceptionally well, which makes which makes watching it just a real joy. Because often when you hear about these things, you think, "Oh God, please don't do this." Yeah, you know it's going to be a disaster. But that couldn't have been better. I don't think. Yeah, I totally agree. But I think I heard a rumor that they were going to do to- a remake of Top Gun, or it's going to be Top Gun Two. And then um, I'm a big fan of Top Gun. And I was scared, much like you, and my head in my hands thinking, oh, no, don't, don't. Just leave it. Just leave it where it lies. But I think Kobe Kai is fantastic. Yeah, they've done they've done such a such a service to it. And now when I, when I go back and watch Karate Kid, I watched Karate Kid 1 the other day, um, and I just watch it with a to- totally different perspective now. So it's sort of like yeah. seeing it from Johnny Lawrence's point of view. It's so, so good. But, yeah, yeah I won't give anything away. No no spoilers. No. Um, um, and that, that uh, one of my favourite films ever is um big trouble in little china oh yeah and yeah i heard somewhere the other day they're going to remake that with the rock oh. and it's like no no, no, not, no. Not much. it's not happening no that cannot happen because oh why would you do it? i don't understand why you would do that why you just wouldn't let sleeping dogs lie man why you would go in there and try and recreate it and why would just, they cast the rock well I suppose he's the, the everything. I suppose, but yeah, find something he's not in at the moment, isn't it? It's a case of that, really. Yeah. So go back to your music. So I was listening to um, the first album yesterday, and like picking it. I think the two standout tracks for me when I was listening to it, I made a note of them here, were LeBrock and Strange Times. So LeBrock is harking is is weird science, right? Kelly LeBrock, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I yeah, exactly. When I was when I was what would I have been in the 80s? Like when I was 10, 11 in the 80s, I didn't have a friend who didn't have a picture of Kerry LeBrock on their wall, <laughs> including myself. Um, so I just I just thought there's nothing more 80s than Kerry LeBrock. So that was that was the inspiration for the song. Um, and I think I, I think you said earlier, I, I love John Hughes films, grew up watching them, um, sort of, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, Sixteen Candles. These are all my favourite films. So, so it was easy for me. And I I think what I tried to capture with that song, and again, I used um, I used a plugin called Super VHS on that, which gives it that cassette sound. 
Um, was that which, for the vocal for the the spoken the spoken word? No, no, it's for the synths. So the synths have a bit of a cassette wave sound to them. Um, that's okay. what this, what this plugin does, and yeah, and the, and that was done because it, I just really wanted to create that sort of feeling of watching a VHS tape of something like Weird Science with Kelly DeBock in it. Yeah, yeah. So that was going back to sort of what inspires me to write songs. That was inspired by watching Weird Science, thinking how could I sort of capture this film, this feeling I get from watching this film in a song, and that's what I tried to do. And and that seems to have been well received, that song. Um, people seem to like it. It's been added yeah, to I, I think a lot of playlists. Yeah, yeah, I think it's fantastic. So it's a really, really good song. And then Strange Times. Now, if I remember rightly, does that have there was there's guitar in that in that one in particular, isn't there? In Strange Times, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah. we touched on the guitar at work earlier. So is that you playing all the lead on those tracks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as I said, for, originally I'm a, I'm a guitarist. Um, started as a punk guitarist. I said to you earlier. We we played with the Damned when they toured the UK. Um, so primarily, I, I grew up as a guitarist, so that's sort of where my passion lies, and and I want to sort of keep adding that element to my songs because it it just I think it works if you get the right sound. We talked earlier with that yeah. by two two plugin that I use. Um, if I get the right sound, I I think it really works. It it really captures that sort of eighties rock sound and there, and there's probably more in the new album there's probably more uh guitar rhythm as well because mostly on neon neon horizon the previous album the guitars were more were mostly for a short solo in a song there there's more rhythm guitar in the in the new album which i think really works with the simps and everything else so but that's yeah cool. that's that's me playing the guitar, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So you're trying to incorporate more rhythm guitar into it now. Because um, I've, I've been trying to do that myself in my own productions, and I'm still trying to find that perfect sound for rhythm guitar to sort of blend in with the synths, et cetera. Um, and it's, uh, I'm a, I don't know, I, I think a lot of producers, a lot of artists are perfectionists, and I'm constantly tweaking sounds, and it's a case of knowing when to stop. But it's cool to hear that you can be bringing in that sort of... Um, that crossover into actual rhythm guitar as well. It'd be really, really good to hear. You haven't been tempted to sort of outsource any saxophone or anything like that? Uh, I had not on this album. I haven't, but I have, um, I have a song that I did, did with a, a really talented guy, um, Jamie Leeson, his name is, and he played sax and that, and it came out really, really nice. So, um, it's definitely something I would do again. The saxophone definitely works for that eighties sound. Oh, totally, yeah. There are there are some uh, synth sax on the new album. Yeah. Um, it, I use it sparingly because I don't I, I don't want to try and pretend it's a real sax because I think you can tell with brass instruments that it yeah. isn't. Yeah. So, um, but I do use it sparingly absolutely swamped in her reverb again. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I have worked with a saxophone player and it's definitely something I will do again. Yeah, I, th- I think for me as well, it's something I'd like to approach at some point. I don't I don't know when I would do it. It's finding a saxophone player as well. I, I've never been in a situation where I've needed to find one, so I, I don't know how hard they are to come by. I know, for example, a drummer. Drummers are uh, ridiculously hard to find, yet uh, I, don't know, I don't know how easy it would be to find a, a saxophone player. Um, 
but no, I totally agree. I think it's that sound of the eighties, and it's you sit, you hear it now. I don't know. Do you hear it creeping into modern music? I think it is more and more. Certainly, synth, the synth wave and synth music and that synth aesthetic sound is certainly creeping into pop music, um, particularly the latter end of that last year. Um, probably more so this year as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think and the, the introduction of uh, yeah, you probably. You're probably right. I'll be honest. I haven't listened to anything new for a very long time. And, yeah. and I think that's why Synthwave grabbed me because I was desperate to find something new. Um, I, I, even, even my children are uh, listening to Ian Brown, Stone Roses. <laughs> um, there's not a lot of pop music, like new pop music in a, in a, in the house, but yeah, but since discovering Synthwave, it's, it's, I think the reason I'm as passionate as I am about it or retro wave or, or whatever you call it, I don't get too involved in the naming of it, but what, whatever it's called, it's, it's, it's exciting to me because it is a, it is new music being made by new artists that, that I, I really, really get a feeling from, which hadn't happened to me with, with I think modern pop for quite a while. Yeah. I did enjoy the new wave metal period. I grew up like I, I loved Metallica. I loved sort of Ride the Lightning and Justice for All that period. Iron yeah. Maiden really didn't like. I found it difficult to associate with metal, metal music. Sort of that sort of Lincoln Park. Um, I'm not disrespecting these bands, but that uh, like new metal. Like, I struggled with metal then, and then I'm not really feeling it now either. So it's nice to have discovered a, a form of music that's being made by new artists that I feel so passionate about because I did wonder if it would ever happen. Yeah. Are you, so you mentioned that you, you, you your kids at the moment, so they're uh, listening to Ian Brown's Stone Roses. Uh, are you sort of, is the, the musical uh, influence from you, are they starting to learn instruments as well? Is that something that they're going to be pursuing, do you think? No, I don't think so. I bought my six-year-old a, um, a, a half-size guitar and um, it's just, it's an ornament in his bedroom, but maybe, maybe when he's a bit bigger, but, I don't see they're, they're both both my boys have got six and a 16 year old they're both really into music yeah but I, I, they don't show any interest in in performing or playing or learning it that's fair enough man so going back to your influences then for it's actually before I ask that question you touched on the sort of naming of synth because um, I'm much like you uh, in terms of relatively new to the to the scene I guess a year year and a half in and actually the naming of synth because like you, I generally call it synth music. I, I'm still unsure what to call it, to be honest, um, at times. So if, sort of like when I'm f- trying to find new artists, I'm still trying to work out like what actually, what 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 descriptors should I use to to find these, to find new artists to listen to? Um, so yeah, I sort of settled on synth music as well. I don't know what yeah. you think. Is it, it's... I, 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 I try not to to put put it like i don't know i don't try not to put boundaries on it in that sense and that sounds mm-hmm. a bit pretentious but i don't set out to say this is going to be a retro wave song or or yeah uh, to our point earlier I, I when i start composing if that's the term it, it's just something that feels right um and if it gives me that sort of 80s nostalgic feel then that's what i go for so i don't know and yeah i've never really been too concerned with that synth wave retro wave dream wave <laughs> chill wave or however the other waves but yeah i like listening to fm 84 uh time cop 1983 as i said earlier i think 
I've got dozens of cassettes um, of bands like that. And I, I just love that sound. It gives yeah. me that feeling. And that's the feeling I want to try and recreate. So I've never tried to work out whether Time Cop 1983 are Dreamwave. It, I don't think they care. And I, I don't care. <laughs> No, I totally agree. I totally agree because I, I, as a as a side venture as well, I'm sort of moving into the the the, the mixing and sort of mastering avenue as well, and and, and part of that is is especially it's, it's kind of like having I don't want to be too broad. I want to then focus into a particular direction. So I can't I, I constantly find myself thinking I like what am I gonna where am I looking sort of thing, and at the same time I'm like I don't really want to have a particular niche i don't know i think i'm battling against myself a lot because i'm very much like you in a case of i just want to make music that i think sounds good and if it happens to incorporate those elements then fantastic if it doesn't then it's not part of that particular scene mm. it's, it's tricky and you mentioned there the midnight fm84 time cop 83 would you consider in terms of sort of like the the big synth artists would those be the the influences for you if that makes any sense yeah, yeah. I would say so. Um, and uh, Nina, I really enjoy. Uh, I think, yeah, yeah. I think you could, I think people like Nina could become huge stars because I, I think their songs are so well composed. Her songs mm. are so well composed that it's more than synthwave with vocals. It, they, I think they're fantastic songs. Same with The Midnight yeah. as well. Um, but I'm just as influenced and inspired by, as I said, The, the Last Concord, Nostalgia Kid. Um, uh, th- there's lots of acts that uh, that aren't as big that are just making fantastic stuff, and that's the beauty of this scene is there's always new music to listen to. So if uh, yeah, I totally agree. So totally, totally agree. If you were going to move, have you had you considered like moving into a, like the live aspect, the live performance? And if so, how how do you think you would go about it? I've given that a lot of thought. Interestingly, because it's definitely something I miss. Um, yeah, it's something you get a bit of a like we were talking earlier about a sort of gigging around Bristol, and it's definitely something I miss doing. And it's hard at the moment to imagine that oh, in the UK. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, I, but I yearn for that day to come back, and absolutely, I, I'd like to do it again. I've, as I said, I saw um, MAT three mm-hmm. um, at the Fleece, and I was blown away by that live performance. So although I don't know if you would call him synthwave, but whatever his music is, it's very synth orientated and it's very digital sounding to me, but live, it had a full kit bass guitarist and it sounded incredible. So that, that's how I would see me doing it. To be honest, I could see it. I I'd like to start working more with vocalists in the next, not the one coming, but an album after. Yeah. And then, if the timing's right, I would definitely see myself trying to perform live with a with a band. Yeah, would be the way I'd like to do it. In it, when I was in the the Citizens before, um, our singer had multiple synths. We had guitars, bass. We were playing synth music back then, uh, although it was probably darker and heavier than what I make now. Um, it, it, I've I've been on stage playing sort of synth music and now our know that I enjoy it and have a good idea of how I would do it. So, yeah, I've given it a lot of thought and let's just hope that this 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 situation sorts itself out soon and, and we can sort of do that again. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, totally. Uh, and, and also, like, 
echoing what you said there, I, I tell you, I, I miss the live element of performance as well. And that interaction with the crowd, I think that's probably the main thing I miss from being in a band. One of the reasons I stopped doing the whole band thing was that I, it became too business orientated for me and it took away the creative element. Mm. And, it, and, it went, it went, and I found when it got, when it got to the point whereby someone was sort of say, Oh, we need to write something. And then I kind of just be like, Ugh. and I thought oh, it's probably time that I move on. Um, but I do look back with sort of fondness of the, of the live element and performing. Um, and yeah. And hopefully, I mean, the, the live industry has been hit so, so hard. And you just hope that the, the decent live venues are able to come out the other side and we can have these live shows and we can all meet up at these live venues again. Cause it's, it's, it's such a shame. And it really is. Well, I hope that in a year's time, maybe me and you can have a beer in the fleece. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the hatchet. I used to often go to the hatchet yeah, yeah. gigs. Yeah, yeah, that'd be ace. Let's yeah. hope so, no? Yeah, totally. As, as we were talking about earlier, Bristol has such an incredible live music sort of, um, such an incredible city. Like it's got, we've got two universities, so there's a lot yep. of bands that come through. And um, I've seen every type of band in Bristol, and it's just, it's just heartbreaking to, to know these venues are all closed, struggling. It is really heartbreaking because it's sort of the heart of Bristol for me. Yeah, yeah. It's a very creative city, isn't it? It's just a creative city. If you want to go somewhere as a creative, Bristol is just yeah. like a hub for you to go to. And it's it sort of oozes that aesthetic. And it's just such a shame, such a shame. Uh, so going, moving on to like your album that's going to be coming up soon. So the follow-up album is called City Nights. Is that correct? correct. City Nights. So you released a track... Uh, a single from that and that came out a couple of weeks ago um, yes city drive that and that and that and that's done that's done that's doing pretty well it seems quite popular but but i'm looking forward to people hearing it in the context of the album because yeah. um again I'm, i don't mean to sound pretentious but it it was written as one piece of music and um so to have singles on it feels a bit alien but but it's important because of that that's the way as artists we sort of grown in this modern world with spotify and everything um the next the next single coming is the eagles cover which is uh the journey of a sorcerer yeah of the, of the sorcerer even um but but yeah so the the, the two singles that uh, that's the next one journey of the sorcerer um and then the album will release in in april and I, really hoping that uh people enjoy it i i think it's i think it's a, a much improved piece of uh, piece of work from the last album um and i and i hope people see see that, that you're, never, really... you're never too sure right <laughs> yeah I'm a, i don't know about you but i'm a harshest critic whenever i put something out it's uh, even even when i've released it um i listen back to it and i'm like oof and i, I just hear little bits and pieces i can change but with my creative process, I, I have to set myself boundaries and time limits and think, right, I need to have this done by that point. Um, and if it's of a good standard is when is good, good enough and just getting it out there. Cause you could sit on music yeah. for years and not put it out because you don't think it's good enough or you're, 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 you got, you're anxious that people are going to feedback and say, Oh, you've done, you could have done this, this, and this. I don't know how, how, in terms of the creative process, what do you do in terms of um, make? How do you know when something's finished? Oh, that's you're absolutely right, and that's the that's the challenge because there's the potential for it to never be finished. Yeah, um, 
and we and I found this in in my bands as well. We we um, I said earlier that we had a publishing deal. We recorded this album in this um, analog studio. Uh, there was no digital equipment. It was really cool. We never even it never even got released. Um, really, we, we just sort of just kept tweaking and tweaking until the point where the world had moved on from us. Yeah, and so I, I definitely don't want to fall into that habit again. Um, so, so like I think, like you said, I some songs I can write in an afternoon. Mm. Some songs I'll spend two weeks on and then just give up on it. And then there's other songs that there are other songs where where I'll suddenly think, oh, that riff in that song I didn't do anything with would work really well here, and then maybe as yeah. a middle eight in this song and. And then I start sort of doing it that way. So quite often I'll revisit something that I thought maybe wasn't quite right. And then it works in something in a new, in, in a new piece of uh, music. So again, there isn't a sort of a set way for that. So, but I do, I do try to not be as critical as, as maybe I have in the past of, of every piece of music I do, because like we said, in theory, it could never, you could say it's never finished. And that would be my concern because the the way we're told to, because it it feels like to in the in the new world we're marketeers as much as we are musicians. Yep. And we we're all aware that content is king, right? And we've all yep. we've all got to be putting content out all the time. And oh. I even <laughs> I even just hate using that word if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I hate using that C word, <laughs> but um, but content is king. So you ha- you are under this pressure to be releasing music every four weeks or so to try and keep in the Spotify algorithms and oh, algorithms, so, man, algorithms. That's, that's all I ever hear. No matter what you go on Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, it's getting in that algorithm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's so hard. And you mentioned there about content, and it's pushing out content, but it's a you, it, there's a needle and then you don't want that needle to move to the point whereby you're just producing content for the sake of it just to keep, stay in the algorithm or it takes away from your creative process and it's finding that boundary between the two it's so i find it i find it quite difficult no absolutely um, it is yeah it's difficult without a doubt and, that's, the, and then, the, the, mar- the marketing part what i've what i've discovered if i've discovered anything over over the so i only started making this music last year yeah. And I probably would say I've learned as much about marketing, <laughs> uh, which I shouldn't really say because my job's in marketing. Um, my, uh, my, <laughs> eight job. Yeah. But I've learned as much about marketing as I have about music production, if I'm honest. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, um, I moved on to, I, and started doing the, the, the Profiter Producer course with Brian Hoods. And um, I listen to a, a podcast quite regularly with Brian Hood and Chris Graham. And, it, and it's all about um, the audio industry and the business side of it. And it's massive. It's huge, huge, huge yeah. undertaking. And there are so many facets to it. And it's all about where you can spend your time wisely. And it's... and. It's particularly now in this day, in, in the situation we're in at the moment with, in the UK, uh, for those not listening in the UK, we're, we're in lockdown at this point. So the only really way we can reach out to people is via, is digitally. And there is so much noise, so much noise yeah. that you have to then break through. And it's being able to do that is, is hard. But 
on the flip side of that, for example, your first album that you had, the fact that you were able to sell it out on a first album is is fantastic. You you hope that yeah. the second one would then do the same. Well, I, I hope so, and I think, and I think you're absolutely right. But I think um, if I could give any advice to anyone watching this now, um, and I've seen and I've worked with a lot of other artists, and I've helped people with their marketing, is is don't try and take any shortcuts with it. Mm. Uh, don't try and there is no sort of I'm not sure what the right term silver bullet. There's no silver bullet that yeah. says that you can't go and buy a placement in a in a playlist that's going to make you famous. There isn't anything like that. It doesn't exist. You've got to. My advice to anyone watching now will be just do it slow and steadily. Yeah. Keep releasing music you're proud of and market it in a genuine way which is what I try and do. I try and talk to people as I would talk to anybody. Um, yeah. And I think it shows, which is, which is, and it's, it's really good. And I, and I, that would be my advice to anybody. It's not going to happen overnight. It's got to be done slow and steady. And, and that's what I would probably going back to my point earlier from the marketing perspective, that's probably what I learned the most of in 2020 um, other than how to, teach adjectives to my son which i was doing, <laughs> doing last week but um it's probably it's that it's that organic growth um and and just taking it like a one step at a time you're not gonna you're not gonna release well some people might but very rarely are you going to release a song and it's just going to take off like it can happen but it's not it's not common yeah so don't go into it with that mindset and and i think as long as you're obviously producing good music, people want to listen to. That's the key. Then I think yeah. you'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think slow and sort of like slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, way. yeah, and it's not to be put off. Not to be put off if you you release a song and it only gets a mild bit of interest. It's just to keep yeah. putting out good music, and and it will gradually build over time. One quick question. You mentioned then about Spotify playlists. Now I find when I'm on the internet and it's browsing through Facebook, et cetera, and Instagram, now I've started to put out music. I get more and more um, interaction. I get more and more messages from Spotify playlist playlisters or curators, inverted commas. Um, what, what, from a marketer's perspective, it'd be interesting now, from a marketer's perspective, what, what are your thoughts on those? The ones basically that pay to go onto a playlist. Do you think there's something that's, viable is it worth doing not in my opinion uh i i would as we would say in essex i would personally give them a swerve um and there's a few reasons why i say that so one of the places i get most of my streams from is my spotify radio and the way you get a spotify artist radio is by having Spotify use an algorithm like it, like everyone does, but they use an algorithm to see what other types of artists, the people that listen to your songs like, and vice versa. Um, so when you see an artist who's got, I don't know, like 20,000 plays on a song with no radio, it leads you to believe they've probably maybe paid for playlist placement in a genre that's not quite right for their music and so on. So my my advice would be to not go near those types of um, marketers because like i said there isn't any shortcuts and i think i believe it will hurt you in the long run i, I don't know if you've heard but um that spotify have apparently removed nearly a million songs at the start I, of this year i have um 
I haven't I hadn't heard that they'd done that, but I had heard that artists and, and songs had been removed for that reason that you just mentioned. I hadn't realised they'd done a massive cull at the beginning of the year. They were, and there's, there are rumours that that's not the last cull they'll do. Really? So, Interesting. So my advice would be, so the reason they've done it, because they sent out an email to people, Should we um, and it is that they believe that people have paid for plays. Mm. So, so that would... Going back to my earlier point, that would be my advice 100% is if you are going to work with a marketing company that guarantee you playlist play, placing, be 100% sure it's organic and that it's real and that they're not bots because it will hurt you in the long run. I do. I, I totally agree. I remember, and this is probably about 10 years ago now, when I was in the band and uh, we had a, a YouTube channel and... Um, we had an influx of, of views and there was a way there was a, there was a strategic way that you could get an increase in views on YouTube, but they weren't, it wasn't anything. It's not like now, now I see it from a marketing perspective in terms of I can retarget and use that information that I get through Facebook, et cetera, to then target as if I need to use them for whatever reason. But way back when it was a numbers game. And I think a lot of the time you can be as an artist, a creative in general, not just music, you can be, uh, you can focus too much on numbers you're, you have to have so many followers. You have to have so many likes. You have to have so many plays. And like you said there, I think that can be detrimental in the long run. Because if you're paying for those likes and you're paying for those plays and they're not organic, they're effectively pointless. They're not going to help you in any way, shape or form. In yeah. fact, with social media, if you do have those, if you're just, if you're putting an advert out and you're getting likes from all around the, all around the globe and it's just random as liking your page for the sake of it, when you do post something, it's not going to go out to the people that you want. It's you're cutting off your nose to exactly. spite your face, and and you're exactly right. And and those people are also not going to be the ones that will buy your album when, yeah, when you're, yeah. Um, when you're releasing an album, and they're, they're not going to be anywhere to be seen. So yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, um, I've just realised now. It's, all, it's all, we're almost an hour in, so we'll, we'll probably wrap it up in a bit. What I was going to next question I was going to ask you is um, key dates for your releases coming up um what what are the key dates so um i'm gonna have to try and memorize this <laughs> the journey of the sorcerer yep which is the eagles cover which i think i hope people like it's a, an interesting take on um on a, a classic song and um it's also um the theme song for hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy so people might recognize the riff from there but yep. um that is going to be march the 5th cool. and my previous album, Neon Horizon, will be on Spotify to stream on February the 5th. Brilliant. And, and then, then sorry, go the on. album will release on April the 1st. Amazing. And in between then, if, uh, if listeners wanted to listen to one song of yours, um, which song would you pick? If they, if they, if the first time listeners, which song would you direct them to? I would probably say um, Kelly LeBrock. The yep. song you referenced earlier, that or Neon Rain, um, which is currently on a um, on one of uh, Spotify's editorial playlists. I did so. see that. Yes, congratulations. That is that's no mean feat to get onto a. It's quite difficult no. to get onto. Yeah, yeah, and that's been interesting. That one because it's been a learning experience because that's been on three times on editorial playlists. Oh, amazing. So, so they've ended, and then suddenly they've been put on a different one. It's it's un, um, so I like everyone. I. Although I'm a year into this marketing world, um, I'm still learning myself. So yeah, 
but yeah, that's been a, a really interesting journey having that on one of these editorial playlists to see what that can do for you. What did you did you find it helped in terms of if, um, your your following your streams? Did it? Did you notice? Massively. Did you notice? Massively, yeah. It's been it's been added that song in itself. Neon Horizon's been added to over a thousand playlists. So oh wow. So so it, without like this concept of going viral, it's sort of what can happen, right? If you if enough new people come to your song and it's a good song, and then it then it just grows exponentially. And that seems to be what's happening with Neon Horizon. And although Kelly LeBrock hasn't been added to an editorial playlist, it's gone much the same way. Yeah, uh, That's on 900 and something playlists, and, and uh, which is proof that, for me at least, that you, you can have a song perform well without the backing of Spotify's editorial playlist. Yeah. No, that's really good, man. Congratulations. I mean, like, like you say, being a year in, to to uh, to the actual production side of things and, and releasing your own music, it's it's a really good start. And you can only imagine twenty twenty one releasing a new album. It's going to get even better. Thank you. I hope so. And um, yeah. we've all got plenty of time, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I find that we, um, we went out and did our family exercise earlier I today, and that's our sort of day at the, our time out the house for the day. So I find that I went out for a run. I started running again this year. So I went out yesterday and then that was it. And I was inside for the rest of the day. I was just, it's not much more you can do. A long it's in the day when I can get out and actually do things. It's important though, isn't it? And, and yeah. anyone who's watching as well, it, it's just as important to look after your mental health as well as your physical health. And mm-hmm. it, it's a difficult time for everyone. I've got um, a friend uh, in Portugal uh, called Simph Bacon. Um, <laughs> he's um He's saying that they're in Portugal, they're just going into lockdown now. I've got oh, friends wow. in France who are in a curfew. So certainly around Europe, it's a difficult time for everyone. So yeah, like, sort of look out for each other. Yeah, totally, I- totally. You'd like to think in it, if, if you look back in a year's time, there would be marked improvement, marked improvement. I love that name though, Synth Bacon. That's amazing. I'm, I'm going to make yeah. a note of that and I'm going to go check out. It was at Port- Portugal, right? Yeah, it's from Portugal. Portugal, it's Synth nice Bacon. Guy. Oh, I'm gonna, totally going to look. Gonna, uh, has he got songs released as well? Or she? Uh, no, I don't think so. But uh, a big vinyl, a synthway vinyl collector. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll go check him out, though. That's such a good name. What I'll do is, uh, for those listening, I will drop links in the um, in the description uh, for your Instagram. I don't know if you want to shout it out now, your Instagram handle. If I remember it. Uh, if not, nah, that's all right. Yeah, Sack Vortex music, but those three words are in it in some order or another. <laughs> Something like that. Zach Vortex movie. I'll put I'll um I'll put the the uh, the handle in the description below. And if you want to check mine out as well, it's at Mark Matthews Producer as well. Um but yeah, man, thanks for your time today. It's uh it's Thank been great actually being able to being able to talk to you. I know we've been talking chatting for a while via uh, Instagram and email. So yeah, yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, That's great, good fun. Yeah, good luck with the new release as well. I'll keep eyes out for it and I'll repost it and whatnot. And then uh, we'll maybe catch up, I don't know, latter part of the year and have another chat about how it's gone. Yeah, great. Maybe have a beer. If, who knows? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. As, soon as, the, uh, as soon as I'm allowed out of the county of Devon. Yeah, exactly. Which is beautiful, my ad. It is a beautiful county, but I long to leave and my, go elsewhere. It's my favourite county, but yeah. Yeah. All right, cool, man. That's, that's brilliant. Thanks for your time today. And cool. I'll, uh, I'll speak to you soon.